everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Match Slip Podcast. My name is Frank Angeloni, and today I'm talking with store owner Adam from Owl Central Games in Millersville, Pennsylvania. Adam, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well, Frank. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So I saw on your website, it said Millersville, Pennsylvania. Where would you relate that in terms of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh for those that may be unfamiliar with the area? Uh, yeah, so we are about an hour or so west of Philly, uh, probably about like four hours east of Pittsburgh, maybe like an hour and a half north of Baltimore, too, to give you a, a better triangulation. But uh, yeah, we're around that around that location. And what's the store's origin story? How did it come to be? How many years have you been in business for? Oh, gosh. Uh, okay, so uh, this, this, this is fun. So we opened the physical store in 2015. The way it came to be was it was originally okay, so there's there's three guys uh, involved who are myself. Uh, there's uh, Ken Adams, Matt Grajulo, Wes Moss, and uh, originally it was uh, Ken and Matt were buying and reselling stuff on Amazon, and they were doing it out of Ken's mom's house, and uh, in the fall of sorry the spring springish april of 2015 west moss and myself came up uh we had the original store was in reading before we moved to our current location and uh west had been reaching out to me and asked saying that we wanted to start a physical storefront and not just do it out of ken's mom's house so me and west came up and then we opened up the physical store uh in our previous location in reading and that was where we we were starting but it actually originally started in ken's mom's house and the name owl central games had came from when they needed to i forget if it was to make the website name first or if it was to incorporate the business name it was probably incorporate the business name first I, the step part of the story gets fuzzy for me uh but uh the it, it went like this someone looked around uh ken's mom's house and said it looks like owl central in here because she had all of this like owl, just, you know, stuff, memorabilia, trinkets and things like that. So uh, that's where the name came from. And then um, yeah, that's how we got the physical store started. And uh, yeah, from there, um, you know, we just started growing more and more. Uh, but the uh, the idea of having like a, a physical store there too, like for uh, me, Wes, Ken and Matt, like we all had a game store growing up that we went to and that meant a lot to us too. So there's a lot of that as well. Like being able to have provide that for like the next generation, a place for kids to come and hang out and uh, you know, have fun and play games. And, you know um, I guess to, to take it back even further too, like the four of us, like all knew each other from when we all used to work at star city games. Uh, we all spent a fair amount of time there uh, together and me and Wes had known each other since we were like teenagers. So, um, you know, we really wanted to do something that, you know, that we had enjoyed that was, that was like, you know, not necessarily how Star City did things, but how we wanted to do things and provide that um, to the, to the community. So that's really neat. I didn't realize that. So Star City Games is based in Virginia, in Roanoke. Yeah. So you were you are you originally from Virginia? Yeah, so I'm I'm originally from. Um, I always tell people I'm originally from Roanoke because no one knows where Franklin County, Virginia is. But uh, yeah, uh, that's where I'm originally from. Uh, I worked at Star City um, as a summer job when I was in high school. So I'd been working in the industry since I was like 15. Um, 
I'm 38 now, so I've been doing this for a long time. I worked Star City off and on up until about 2012. Uh, and then I did a few j things here and there jumping around uh, until 2015. And then 2015 uh, is when we opened the store up here in Pennsylvania. Very cool. And and you mentioned you were a player at, at at that point in time. Were you playing in a lot of like the SCG tours and the invitationals and stuff like that, like the competitive events? I so I I worked almost every event. Um, my job at that point, once the tour was like building up, my title was kind of the titles were all kind of made up. Uh, sales booth, he head of sales event thing. Uh, basically, if you came up to the to the booth at a show and you wanted to buy some cards, you were talking to me or you were talking to some of the people that we had hired when we traveled around. Uh, to like other locations. So I was I was managing that like mobile storefront kind of thing at that at that time. I see. And when you were able to play, what uh, games did you like to play? Magic. Uh, Magic was, you know, what got me into, you know, doing all of this in the first place. Um, there were other games, too, that I enjoyed, like the um, the World of Warcraft trading card game. That was one that I really liked. I played that a lot. Uh, I qualified for Worlds the first year that uh that they did it out in san diego uh i managed to day two worlds um but other than that my my magic career is not really uh, uh i would not call it a career <laughs> it's like uh i've got a handful of like ptq top eights and um i had like a deck that i made in like 2007 time spiralish area that like got on the radar and saw i saw people uh play it at their states the following week um, so that was like my 15 minutes. Uh, I put together, you know, a collection of cards that people were like, oh, that seems all right. And they played them too for like one weekend. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, that's the, that's the, the limit to my, like my magic career. <laughs> I've mostly, I've mostly been on like the, uh, the other side of the counter as opposed to the, the player side. At least you got to play in some, uh, PT top eights. I, would like to just make the top eights at some point. That that would be a goal of mine just to get into it. <laughs> well, well, just to clarify, P PTQ Pro Tour qualifier, not not yeah, not Pro Tour top eights, PTQ top eights. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, Either yeah. way, still a good accomplishment. <laughs> That's still hard to achieve. So once sure. once you left Star City Games, you mentioned the store was originally in Reading, Pennsylvania. What was the reason for the move? So in um, well, for a while actually, when we were in Reading. Uh, the things that we were dealing with were the building itself was not the greatest. Um, it was in need of some improvement, repairs, some love that we didn't have the resources for. Uh, and we were also, um, you know, me and the other guys, we were just getting older and we're, you know, getting married. And we were moving out of Reading to like nicer area, which brought us out to Lancaster, uh, like, you know, right here uh, near Millersville. So we were also moving out like in this direction too. And it was just starting to become more of a slog of having to drive to Reading. And once our lease was like ending in 2019 or sorry, the, I guess January, 2020 to be exact, that's what our lease ended. And uh, we started looking for a location that was closer to us, closer in proximity to the, our warehouse that we use. Um, uh, yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much what, what had brought us out here uh in, in the first place and then right when that happened uh so i mentioned january 2020 uh we were open for about six weeks in our new location after we had it all like built out and everything uh and then the pandemic hit 
in March of 2020. And then we had to immediately shut down our storefront, which was uh, a huge shock, you know, uh, left a lot of uncertainty there for what was going to go on. But we were able to shift things over to a lot of our online sales. And, uh, you know, I mean, thankfully, through a lot of effort of, you know, people coming in and doing orders and uh, keeping a lot of that online business going, you know, we were able to stay afloat through all of that. And how much these days now are the online sales a benefactor for the business when compared to like the in-person sales from existing players that come into the store? Uh, it's it's a big part still. Um, like we, you know, we definitely need them. Uh, the storefront sales, though, like uh, have been uh, really good ever since, uh, you know, the pandemic started to, you know, lighten up and, and lift and we were able to start running events again. There was the huge uh, boom with Pokemon uh, over the last couple of years that you know we were able to benefit from significantly. Uh, Pokemon sells really well in our storefront, uh, as well as well as Magic. So I would say that you know the the online sales you know are super important, but our retail like foot traffic and our retail sales are also like very very good uh, you know for for the area, and uh, very thankful for that too because it could have definitely gone a different way, you know, post pandemic, but uh, yeah. Yeah. On, online sales still very important. Definitely. And I'm glad to hear things are going good, you know, even post pandemic and you were able to get through the pandemic as well. And you mm. mentioned Pokemon cause I've heard a lot of stores actually bring up the boom of Pokemon and how it's been beneficial to the store. And I wanted to get your take as to why it's been beneficial for Owl Central games, but First, I guess we could start off prefacing that with why do you think the boom for Pokemon has occurred? Like what started that? Because I've kind of wondered that myself because as a kid, more of just the card game, but, you know, people didn't really play the game. So my my take on it, my speculation on it is um, probably not too far off what I imagine most people's is, which is, um, I mean, at this point, the game is a generational game. Like the the people who were playing it when it first came out, like you know, at, at an older age now have kids and their kids are enjoying Pokemon. So it's a thing where like, you know, I've heard this story plenty of times where it's like, well, I had a bunch of Pokemon cards sitting in my closet and then I gave them to my kids or I gave them to my nieces, my nephews. And it's, uh, you know, it's got that like nostalgia factor going for it, a bonding thing going for it. Um, you don't really need to play the game to enjoy the cards because a lot of people's entry into just the Pokemon IP is the video games, which already encourages you to collect. Like it's such a, you know, brilliant tagline, got to catch them all. <laughs> like, and, you know, and it's, it really like, uh, you know, encourages you to just like find things that are Pokemon related. So um, I, I would say like playing the game, you know, not nearly that important uh, of a thing to what's keeping it alive. I think during the pandemic, when we saw, um, a bunch of Twitch streamers, you know, cracking old packs and hyping up the idea that, you know, you could bust open these like cards that are worth millions of dollars and all these old packs. Uh, I think that helped contribute heavily to to the younger generation who wants to go out and, you know, just like, you know, win the lottery, basically, but, you know, do it in a fun way, cool way with Pokemon cards. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that had a big part to it, too. Uh, and plus, like, the games are fun. I mean, I, I think the Pokemon games are fun. I think the card game is a fun card game. Like, I got back into playing it again to try to help uh, promote the uh, events we we're running at the store, uh, like, about about a year ago. 
And uh, the thing I noticed is that like most, you know, the game it doesn't seem to be uh, at least not in our area a very competitive game. Like there's a core group of players who will play, but most people who are involved, you know, they just kind of want to experience Pokemon. It's it's less about you know winning or losing. Um, you know, it's less about like playing the most competitive deck. It's about playing with the Pokemon cards that you like, right? Like if like my favorite Pokemon is Hitmonchan, but there is no good Hitmonchan right now in the game, but that doesn't matter because I have my Hitmonchan deck and I like Hitmonchan. So it helps, I think, to, to like, there's a lot of Pokemon cards that aren't necessarily good on a competitive level. They're just the ones people like. So, you know, those cards sell for two, three, four, five dollars. And, you know, all that stuff, like, adds up. Yeah, so, like, I, I know I threw out, like, a ton of factors, but I think I think it all kind of, like, plays together uh, that helps, like, keep sales for Pokemon, like, up pretty high. Like, um, going back to the card thing, too, like, in Magic, like, what sells a Magic card is usually that it's good, right? But what sells a Pokemon card is that it looks cool. Um, and there's a lot more room for uh, a card to look cool you know, because beauty's in the eye of the beholder and all that jazz. Uh, so, like the, you know, the value of someone's Pokemon collection, the value of all these Pokemon cards. You know, it's it's up to more, you know, a greater interpretation, wider interpretation. I, I guess that's an interesting comparison. Something I actually didn't know that Pokemon players tend to go based off the way the card looks, and Magic players go based off the way how good the card is. Now with those two things in mind with magic now having so many different variants of cards to try to appeal mm -hmm. almost, it almost seems like based on what you've described, they may have gotten that inspiration. I would imagine from Pokemon and seeing how people go after the visual collectible nature of it and magic emulating yeah. that in their own way. So how difficult is that when comparing Pokemon and magic, like are there the same amount of variance as the plethora of variants that you see in magic does that exist for Pokemon as well? So I I think you're you're absolutely right when you're saying that Magic may have been inspired by all the the different versions for Pokemon cards uh, looking looking cool and all that. Um, and I, I think that is a hundred percent what happened. Um, I think they saw that they could emulate that uh, and go really like really deep on it. And that's something that I've seen Wizards do over time since the beginning, which is they they find something that you know the 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 market likes and then they go really hard on it like uh if you look at right now there's showcase frames and all the different uh variants like we had expeditions uh in i think battle for zendikar was when it started and and then people really liked those and then they started doing the masterpieces which is you know expeditions this is the same thing and then i think throne of eldraine was when they started calling them showcase frames and like okay we're just going to do this all the time now and we're going to do it a lot and now like there's so many variants i think it's an overwhelming amount to me but i'm also like getting older so it's i'm starting to you know hit my my crotchety era arc uh <laughs> you know it's all it's all new and different but I, I think there's a lot of cool things about it um you know having all these different variants for people to like find the one that they like specifically so how do you manage all those products and variants like from a store standpoint laboriously it is it is so much more difficult now to uh keep track of all the the different variants than it used to be so um you know it used to be a 
your variant was uh if was it foil or was it not foil and that's like it um condition is you know sometimes would play a factor too but now there is okay is it the the standard issue version of the card um is it a showcase card is it an alternate art is it borderless is it whatever new name they've came up with for for a card or is it any one of those but it's foil uh or is it like sometimes they'll just make like there's a, a teferi in one of the core sets there was four different versions of that teferi and the collector numbers help to be able to identify it but because we use tcg player and we use crystal commerce and we use these other platforms that we have to work with who all seem to have their own naming conventions it's a real challenge to create an inventory management process that cleanly moves between one to the other like we have basically like our own system that, that we've had to create to be able to keep in line with all everything but as more variants come out and like recently this last set lord of the rings um wizards changed the way they do the card numbers there's now four digit card numbers um which is great because they're making so many cards that needed to change somewhere uh but that's just like another change that's that's happened so like these universes beyond have foils and surge foils uh the last set or last set before last has uh foils and halo foils so now there's even variants on the foiling too um which all just kind of you know creates more and more uh versions variants of the same card so um it has gotten harder uh it's not impossible but it's definitely more of a challenge than it used to be say uh five years or so i can certainly imagine i mean just Hearing you name it off, as even though I've known about it myself and I've talked to other store owners about it, it still is such a whirlwind to wrap your head around. Yeah. Yeah, there's just it's just a lot of different things. And especially when you're like buying uh cards from players who are coming in who want to sell stuff, like you have to look these things up and you need to know the exact version. Like, oh, is this a, this is a mystery booster card, or, or sorry, a card from the list, because it has that little planeswalker symbol in the bottom left. So like you have to be aware of that like you don't necessarily know every card that's on the list you might but um you know it's just little things like that you got to keep keep track of too um and just always be checking for and uh yeah it's just it gets it gets more challenging over time but you know it is it is doable but definitely a challenge could you explain a little bit about the card numbers on like the magic card for example like i'm looking at a magic card right now and i see numbers at the bottom uh left corner of the card like for instance this one's from Lord of the Rings. It's a uh, mithril coat. It's R0245. I guess the R means rare. Now, from a store standpoint, like, how does that, I guess, help you guys? So this would, so we we wouldn't be using the card collector number once we've already got it into our inventory. Something like this. Um, so like myth, mithril coat, for example, uh, if you were a player and you came into the store and you're like, I want to sell my cards or I'd like to sell these cards. And this card was one of the cards as we're going through. Um, like we would look up to see what this card is selling for online. Uh, Mithril Coat would be a pretty easy one for us because there's not a bunch of different variants for it. Or sorry, not different um, re reprintings rather. We would know, okay, this one's the Lord of the Rings one. We try to be able to, to find it. Uh, but the collector number does help us like 
when there is more than one version of it. So I guess like this one has a an extended art version and then a regular version and then it has a pre-release version. It, it would just help us be able to lock in that we are looking at the right card, we're looking at the right pricing. Uh, we would be able to offer uh, an accurate price uh, to the customer for what we'd be buying it for. Uh, once we've got it, once we've got it in, uh, then we're just going by like the name, the set codes, uh, which the set code is right below that number too. So Lord of the Rings is uh, LTR. So that helps identify what the set is as well as the expansion symbol. But the, the set codes, the letters help a lot more for people who aren't as familiar with the symbols. But yeah, uh, that's what the codes would just help us like lock in what version of the card when we're looking it up for the first time. I see. And TCG player is predominantly, I would imagine, where you're deciding pricing on. That seems to be the industry standard. I, I'm curious if you guys do the same thing. It is. Uh, yeah, TCG player is is the industry standard. Um, we also will look at Amazon from time to time, too. We do business on Amazon as well, um, but primarily uh, TCG player, yes. And where have you noticed more of the business when you split it up between Amazon and TCG player, where did the majority of those online sales come from? And do you think one platform is better than the other? Um, it It's different for different things. So um, if you were to Google, uh, we, we talked about this at the store a couple times, like um, if you were someone who didn't play card games, right? You weren't involved in any of the community the shared collective space of knowledge of you know, magic and Pokemon cards. Let's say you know, your kid or your nephew or your niece was like, hey, I really like Pikachu. I really like Pokemon cards. And you were to, okay, well, let me Google buy Pokemon or buy Pikachu card or something like that. So um, if you do that, you are going to get an Amazon link. You are not going to get a TCG player link. Um, TCG player is going to be below that. Like there's no store that's bigger than Amazon on the internet. So we found that for more casual things, uh, Amazon can sometimes be the best way to sell something because, uh, that's just what people find first when they're not like super engaged into these like marketplaces. Uh, so like if you're looking at competitive magic cards, TCG players are probably going to be the better place to sell them because the people who want like Oath of Druids or I guess what's uh, Ragavan, uh, that's like, you know, one of the popular played magic cards. People are like, all right, I want a Ragavan. That person who wants a Ragavan knows TCG player exists. They're going to go to TCG player. But if a person's just like, okay, well my, you know, my brother's sister's daughter, you know, cousin second removed or whatever okay well this this person uh likes you know uh drift bloom pokemon so i'm gonna go find a drift bloom pokemon card and they google it up and then they're just gonna get an amazon link and they're just gonna click on the first thing and they're just like okay done like they're not gonna go any deeper so if if i had to say you know a definitive thing would be like well i think amazon sells pokemon better i think tcg sells uh you know magic cards better um, it's not, you know, 100% that way all the time, but that is the way that, you know, that seems to play out. That's interesting. It, it, Cause I've used both for buying magic cards. So it's, it's interesting to hear the store point of view from, from yourself, you know, to hear the dichotomy between the two and what is the better seller on what platform from a profitability standpoint, what is the better solution for, for a store like yourself? 
Which, if I had to choose one, like what would be better profitably or? I'm thinking more along the lines of profitability margin because uh, I'm sure the marketplaces, like even Amazon, like they're going to take a cut of the product sold. So I'm curious as to, from a business standpoint, what's the better option for Owl Central games versus, you know, what may be a, you may be able to sell more in volume, say. Right. Um, I would say that things things list and sell for more on Amazon. Um, so normally it's better when they sell on Amazon. The cut and stuff that both of those marketplaces are getting are pre- pretty similar. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's pretty similar. Um, ideally, I would want everything to sell you know, in the store or on our website. So, you know, we would get the, that would, that would for us would be the best thing. Uh, but in general, things sell for more on Amazon than they do on TCG player. Um, so I, w- I would say Amazon, but you know, our volume of sales that we do is probably more on TCG player. And that probably has to do with the price being cheaper and the, you know, we sell a lot of magic cards and most magic cards are going to sell through TG- TCG player. And I would imagine with TCG player, because you're up against so much competition, how do you choose a price that, you know, is competitive, but also has the potential to land you the most business? I'm curious if an an old game store I used to go to, I could just give an example. I know they used to operate based on looking at the market price and the median, and they would go somewhere in the middle of that. So I was curious if you guys operate on a similar pattern. So we have we have some uh, I guess some industry, some some like trade secrets or, or things like that. Um, we we have a, a formula and a, a program that uh, that me and Ken wrote together that basically does all of our pricing for us um, for all of our inventory um, wh- whenever we need to like make updates or you know re- revisions or things like that. We just run our inventory through the through the program and then it spits out numbers and then. We just go with those numbers. We, you know, we'll spot check them here and there and make sure everything still looks right like we think it should be. Um, but uh, yeah, we have a we have a super secret special formula. <laughs> but uh, that's that's how we do it. It's it's you know it's looking at other people's prices and uh, what our current like stock numbers and inventory numbers look like. Um, you know, it's it's nothing that's like you know insane. But uh, I'll be honest, the ex- the way the exact formula works, I don't remember. I just know that I coded it based off of what Ken told me, and then it seems to work. <laughs> so we just keep running with it. What happens if like uh, prices fluctuate and like either go up or down? Like, do you have to change something about the program, or does it kind of handle that for you? Uh, so we we update prices on a pretty regular basis. Um, if prices for something like spike like uh, going up, I mean, depending on where we were exactly, um, we're probably just going to sell through all of it. And like that's happened before. But, you know, the way we look at it is like, um, you know, if, if I bought something for two dollars and then I have it listed at, let's say, you know, four dollars or, or just buy, you know, the old standard buy for one, sell for two. Um, I mean, I'm happy that it sold for two. Obviously, I want to get as much out of it as possible. I also want to sell it like I don't want to just, you know, have it for forever. Um but, you know, there will be times when, like, we see something or, you know, there's ban, ban restricted announcements or, you know, we hear through the grapevine that something's going to be good. You know, we'll go in and we'll, we'll make adjustments uh, on our own. Uh, but normally we just we just let the um, the repricer, like our, our little program, try to catch things as, as we make adjustments. 
Um, when prices go, you know, down, obviously, you know, it's not going to sell. It's just going to sit there and it's just going to be caught the next time we do uh, price adjustments. Very interesting. You know, so that's definitely a, a unique thing that you have your own program for determining pricing, you know, for the, for the cards you sell. What other things about the store in general would you say make it unique, whether it be something interior wise, exterior, the way the store is run? What's what's something you would say is unique about the store that you haven't seen elsewhere? I mean, it might sound cheesy. I think our staff is amazing. And I think our staff um, is a very unique collection of uh, of different, you know, personality types that all complement each other very well. Uh, I think that helps us tremendously um, between both our back back of house and front of house. Um, everybody gets along so well. And I think when players come in, community members come in, customers come in, like, I think they see that we're, uh, you know, we're very friendly, very welcoming and inviting, very inclusive. And we try to really, you know, let everyone see that. Um, I, I think that's such an important thing to having a successful game store. You know, people, you know, will say, you know, your friendly local game store. And, you know, the friendly part is, you know, huge. That's, that's a huge part of it. Um, I've definitely been in stores that are not welcoming. They're not inviting. They're pretty cold um, in the sense that, you know, like the people working there, they're just doing a job. They're not, you know, having the time of their life. I mean, I'm not gonna say everyone working at our store is having the time of their life, but uh, you know what I mean? Like um, you can, you can get that feeling when, when coming in that like this person doesn't really want to be here. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that's a, you know, I, and I would hope that every, every store would say that about their staff too, that, you know, we just, you know, we have the best staff. Uh, but you know, when, when I say it, like, I truly mean it. Like, I think everybody does a really good job of compensating for, you know, everybody has their own strengths and I just, the, the way we have our staff like stacked up, like we're just very good at like complimenting well, you know, how each other person works. Um, you know, I think it's, it's our, our strongest, our strongest feature. Like during, during the pandemic, you know, we had people coming in, helping and working still and getting stuff done. I like make sure orders got out, um, you know, during, um, you know, whenever there's like call outs or anything, you know, our staff is like very quick to be able to, you know, cover things. They're just great. I mean, they're amazing. I, I could go on and, you know, tell stories about each individual person. I just think that's such a, a huge thing that what we do is our like our inclusiveness, the, the environment that we create and cultivate for our community to try to like drive, you know, that friendly like place to come and play that place for you to be able to just come and hang out. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we push that a lot. I think the community sees it. And I think that's why we get, you know, just so many people in the store. How many employees do you currently have at the store? Uh, so right now in our store, so we just, we just hired a uh, part, part-time, I think two part-time people. So the numbers changed again. I think we're at 10 people total. I'm going to go with that. I, I think it's, I think we're about like 10. It might, might maybe 11. We're looking at hiring another part-time person too. So that number is going to change here shortly. Are, are there any full-time employees as well, in addition to the part-timers? Yes. Um, so we actually only have two part-time people. So I think it's like eight full-time people working at the store right now. Okay. And does everybody have like a specialization that they do? Are they, you know, for lack of a better word, generic, you know, retail employees, or is there a specialization of what an employee might 
be assigned to do or what they do based on a background they have? Uh, every, everybody's got specific things that they are responsible for. Uh, a lot of work that retail usually covers is helping customers, you know, engaging with customers, uh, engaging with community as they, you know, they come in and such. Uh, but there is downtime. So everybody has tasks that's related to what their strengths are uh, to, to do during that downtime. And one of the things that we try to do, that we strive to do is to constantly be asking for feedback from staff on what it is that they're doing and what they like about it or what they don't like about it, uh, what they want to change, if there's something that they would rather be doing that they see that the business needs or something that they see someone else doing. And they're like, hey, I'm really interested in, you know, processing Pokemon cards as opposed to doing buys in the storefront. What can we do to um, have me process more Pokemon inventory? Because, you know, all those things are important um, and, and, you know, contribute toward the, you know, the business making money and, and us being able to, you know, pay everybody. So, uh, you know, we want to put people on the things that they want to do. Uh, so, yeah, every, everybody's responsible for unique things. Um, and, you know, working in the storefront, obviously, you know, you got to help customers when they come in. But, you know, there's definitely downtimes that, you know, people are able to get the tasks that they like done. And I thought it was pretty cool. I saw on your Facebook page that you recognize new employees by, you know, announcing who's who's joining the team. That that I just thought was a nice little little touch. Something I haven't seen any other, you know, stores doing is, you know, talking about the people behind the store. Yeah. Like I mean, every, everybody who works for us who who becomes part of the team, like I mean, it really is that is team effort. Everybody working together. Um it's it's important for us to make sure everyone who is at the store, you know, enjoys being there. Um, you know, people don't want to work a job they don't like. And, you know, we want everyone, to, you know, to, to like, you know, like working there. Um, yeah, this, this is a big push that uh, Alberto at our store, our general manager at our store has been doing. He became our general manager back in, uh, I think it was February, uh, earlier this year. Um, he does a lot with pushing a lot of things on social media, along with our social media coordinator, uh, Dan, um, who, you know, takes a lot of these pictures, makes a lot of our commercials and ads. Um, you know, they work a lot in conjunction together to make sure that all the stuff that, you know, we are presenting to the public, you know, looks crisp, looks clean, looks good. Um, yeah, th those guys do a really good job. Uh, so yeah, all of, all of these pictures and stuff you're seeing on Facebook, with, uh, yeah, like the new staff come, you know, welcome to the team. That's, you know, that's those guys getting that done. That's very cool. And what, what Adam is your specific role with the store? So I, in February, I was the, the general manager. Um, my, my job, uh, had kind of been the same since we had opened, which was, uh, make sure the store opens that day, <laughs> <laughs> make sure, make sure it runs. Um, but we, we made a, a big change back in February um, where my job now is a lot more ethereal. Uh, it's more so my official title at this point now, I guess, would be uh, tech guy, <laughs> where uh, a lot of things that I'm doing are involving like keeping track of like HR records, um, doing updates on any of our like infrastructure re with regards to technology. Uh, writing any like applications, like programs and stuff that we use internally, helping out where I can when I have the free time. But uh, and recently here, I've been doing more with um, with our inventory itself, like uh, 
the the digital part of our inventory, like making sure pricing and stuff is is getting uh, accurately updated. Um, so I, I have this more like um, out of store experience than I I did uh, since February. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, if it's tech related, um, everyone's got like an issue with anything like that. They usually give me a call or you know when I'm at the store, I'll I'll deal with it. I see. And was it your idea? I, I would imagine, I guess I'll start off. You, you manage the website. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I, so right now we're in a, we're in a transition of uh, a new website. We're getting a new website made by uh, some of the local guys here. Uh, shout out to pixel and hammer. Those guys are really cool. Um, they're working on making a new, a new site. And uh, that is a, a project that I've been working on as well. Um, but yeah, anything that's on the website is, is, you know, I've, I'm the person putting it up there right now. I asked because there was a very cool thing I thought you did, like to draw people into like a game they may not know about or a product. I like your picks by like Kyle, Adam, Berto. I, I just like that featurette that you have on the on the main website. Whose idea was that to, to start that? And how is that translated uh, from a business standpoint? Uh, so that's actually a feature of Crystal Commerce. Right now, our, our, our whole website is just a Crystal Commerce website. Um, which is um, how we do a lot of our inventory management. And the, the picks by people, uh, this was a feature that they have. Um, we did just kind of like throw some games up here. Um, it's one of the reasons why we're actually looking to build, build a new website um, and try to relegate Crystal Commerce toward being more of just our shopping cart and our new website, giving us more control over things, something that can look a little less uh, cookie cutter, I guess, um, is one of the big things. There's a lot of issues we've run into with trying to get Crystal Commerce like technology to do the things that we want on that public-facing side of things. Um, so we're we're trying to transition away into this new website. The pick spy stuff is just was literally just me going around asking, "Hey, what do you what do you like to play?" <laughs> and then getting the feedback and then just like throwing stuff up there. But uh that that was a a crystal commerce feature that we were just trying to take take advantage of. It reminded me as someone like myself who's a fan of comic books as well. It reminded me of walking into a comic book store and seeing like, you know, this is the pick of the week by you know, whether it's the owner, whether it's the, you know, one of the store employees. So I thought it was just a nice touch, even though, you know, something that was just a product offering of the, the platform, I, I just something that yeah. my interest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anything that like, you know, personalizes it is, is good in my opinion. Um, you know, that's, you know, part of that whole, like being, you know, welcoming, inviting kind of thing, you know, you're not just a, it's not just a, you know, a store, you know, it's a place where, people live and breathe. So yeah, anything that's, you know, personalizing things for people, I think is, you know, important and, uh, you know, helps, you know, let people know that, you know, you're actual, like, you know, humans, you're not just NPCs. <laughs> right. Just not another number, a one or a zero. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I really, that's right. I really like too the way you have the menu laid out for magic singles. And I saw it was like that for the other games on, on the website as well. So if we just took, for example, like you were looking for magic, the gathering singles, and you were looking my favorite set of all time, Mirrodin, and you were going to expand that. And I went to it out of curiosity. And I saw you even have a little description of the plane, which was just a cool little, like another tidbit. I mean, it's very enthralling, I, I guess is the word I would use. Like it, it really is like a captivating like little personal touch you're you're adding to something that instead of just going 
to a website, which we all do every day and looking to buy something, that it gives you a little background of what the plane might be. Even if you already know about it, I thought it was, again, another human element to it, a little more personalization. So, and it makes it very easy to find whatever card you may be looking for. And it looks like, to my eye, that it would be quite uh, time consuming when you first were setting up all the categorization of the menu. Is that true? So I, I hate to burst your bubble and I would love to take credit for it, but that's also just something that Crystal Commerce just like does, um, which which I think is that's a good thing that they do. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I can't really speak on it, but I would say it, it's, it looks pretty time consuming to me. <laughs> um, I guess a, a lot of things on our website too do just kind of get auto generated by Crystal Commerce, um, which it, it's, it's more of a, it, it sounds really nice at first, but like it, it does become like this hindrance over time where there's a lot of things we can't customize mm -hmm. because of the way that crystal commerce has it set up, which we're working on making our own site for those reasons. But like, if you want to take a look at something that we've actually made and like, we've like engineered into crystal commerce, like if you go at the top of our website, you can see we make these landing pages for the new sets that come out. So right now, Lord of the Rings, tales of middle earth, um, we can make custom web pages in, inside of crystal commerce, and then we can link them around the site. And so that's one of the like web pages that we had made. To help like link things uh we try to like not have it be too text heavy uh for people like on mobile and stuff like that um but you can take a look at that uh if you want to see something that we've done but uh yeah a lot of this just gets like auto created and we don't really get much customization to it at all which is uh you know a, a, a blessing and a curse uh more more of a curse now that we're trying to like be more customized but as a fellow uh, web developer, I know the frustrations of dealing with platforms when you can't customize them the way you'd like to. <laughs> yeah, so like this, this will probably blow your mind. We can't use JavaScript on Crystal Commerce. You're kidding. I know, right? <laughs> that, that would seem like it would just be something that's just native. <laughs> yep. Nope. Can't use JavaScript. So throw that out the window. Anything cool you want to do with that uh, auto card, you know, the feature or whatever. I nah, can't use it. If we wanted to make articles or stuff like that, because we we've done that in the past where we've had articles with deck lists, but yeah. Oh, so it's it's really tied down and and pretty like yeah. locked. Yep. Yeah. The deeper we tried, like um, I would say like this the year before this year, uh, and maybe a little bit before then too, like I really started to try to focus on like doing more with our website, and the deeper I would go, the more I would learn what we couldn't do. So. Uh, yeah, that's why like our new, you know, hopefully by the end of this year, we have, we'll have it to be able to, to show, but doing this new website that's going to like sit on top of this um, and just relegate Crystal Commerce to a, you know, a shopping cart. Um, hopefully this new website, you know, we're going to have all this control and all of this, uh, you know, bonus stuff that we're going to be able to do. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, but yeah, Cry Crystal Commerce is, is good at what it can do. It just can't do a lot of what we want. It has its limitations, so it's, it it does. Yeah, so yeah. it's almost like at that point you feel like you know it doesn't do everything I needed to do. So I may just want to like customize my own you know own platform rather than you know because I've been in that boat myself where I'm like you know I could just I'd, I'd rather almost just customize something myself than using the platform. Yeah, um, it it was great uh, in the beginning when we just needed something fast and you know that we could get up really quick. And it, its inventory, you know, management system does link to TCG Player and Amazon, which was a huge selling point for us. 
so we can have that like you know the shared inventory numbers uh, so you know we don't have to keep like double inventory or anything like that so that part of it is great um, there's no other you know sales channel that's TCG related like that that does that um, so for that they're perfect but for other things we want to do not so perfect understood yeah. And w when it comes to the customers that come into the store, what would you say like a ratio is of repeat customers versus new customers? So when I was in the storefront, um, I tried to make it a point to learn people's names, learn everyone who comes, comes in. I would swear I would see the same people in all the time, uh, especially for events. Like that's when you really get to learn people because they're staying for hours. Um, you know, learning their names is easier too, because there's always, you know, pairings and stuff like that. I, I would say we have a huge um, re recurring customer rate. I like, I hesitate to say what an actual percentage is. I would say that it's it's very common. Um, we get a lot of five star feedback on Google reviews, uh, on Facebook. Um, you know, a lot of it's like, this is my first time in the store. I loved it. I can't wait to come back again. Like we, that's like. Yeah, that's a just a, a statement that gets you know paraphrased over and over and over again. Yeah, I th I think when people come to the store, they see how bright and colorful, you know, not only the the you know the the aesthetics are, the decoration of everything is, but just how bright, you know, and you know cheerful all of the staff are too. It's it's just such a a fun welcoming place to come back to. Um, I would say most customers who come in for the first time come in again. That's awesome. And so if, if I, if a new customer is walking in like myself, for example, and I had never been to the store before to give people an idea that are listening, how would you describe the store? Like they walk in, how, how big is the store? Like what visuals or whatnot would they see? Uh, you'd be blown away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have some intentional layouts for the ways we have the way we have the store. Um, we have two entrances. We have a, a main entrance uh, that you're most likely going to come in, uh, as well as a side one. Um, but the, if you come in through the main entrance, like you're going to immediately see um, a bulletin board with a bunch of new announcements, local community announcements as well. We let people post stuff up when they're, you know, having their own like um, non game related events in the area, you know, or they're trying to put together like D and D groups, um, you know, things like that, like a community, you know, community board. Once you get past that board, you're going to see like a, a natural, like flow, uh, of merchandising that ranges from like clearance items, Pokemon, magic, minis, board games. And as you're following all of that, you're going to see, um, all of our, uh, trading cards, singles, uh, as well. There, you're just going to be surrounded by all of this stuff to check out. Uh, and then, if you were to follow that path, uh, it would take you to where our play space is, as well as where the restrooms are, as well. Um, and you know, from there, you can hang out and be able to play. And if there's anything you need, like drinks, or snacks, or you need new sleeves or you want to come browse things, um, you'll already know where all those things are because you had to walk past all of them to get to the play space. You just, there's just tons of color, tons of posters of not just merchandise that are the stock posters that you would see at any store, but we also have um, these posters of uh, our staff playing games like on these giant like wall posters of like, uh, you know, the guys playing minis, uh, me and Ken playing magic, um, you know, Pokemon, all, all that jazz, you know, so like we are highlighting our staff in our 
aesthetics in the store as well, not just like, uh, you know, the pictures on Facebook. When it comes to the games offered in the store, um, how often are games held? Are they held every day? Are you know, which, which are the most popular? I would imagine based on our conversation thus far, Magic and Pokemon might fall into that realm. Um, but I'll let you elaborate more. Sure. Uh, yes. So I mean, games are happening uh, every day except uh, for Monday. Monday we close uh, early at six. Um, our weekly schedule is Tuesday night. We have minis night. Uh, it's free to play. You're welcome to come by and check it out. Uh, we set up all the boards and everything for everyone to come in. It runs till 10 o'clock. Wednesday night we have Modern at six. Yu-Gi-Oh! at 6.15, and then a Commander for Magic at 6.30. Uh, and I'll say Commander is our biggest uh, event that we are running at the store. Uh, we actually also run it on Sunday, which I'll, I'll get to uh, once I run through the week here. Um, but Wednesday nights have been huge, have been packed. Our parking lot, um, we have like a side parking lot too. That side parking lot gets filled up. Our main parking lot gets filled up. It's awesome. The store is full. Wednesday night is a great night. Uh, Thursday night, we have Legacy that we do for Magic at 6, uh, as well as Pokemon. Uh, Thursday night, also huge. Our Pokemon community has really like grown a lot uh, and really like blown up, and I love to see it. Uh, Friday nights, we do FNM, of course, Friday Night Magic. We run both Booster Draft uh, and Popper as uh as our offerings for friday night magic uh both of those events do very well for us uh booster draft has been really big recently now with lord of the rings selling out of our like spots our draft spots uh so if you want to come and play for friday night magic for draft uh, make sure you pre-register online you can you do that on through our website or you can give us a call and make sure you have a spot reserved uh, but we also do flesh and blood as well at 6 30 on fridays so Three events, Friday night, also uh, packed, uh, huge, huge night. Uh, Saturdays, we do special events, so it changes depending on what weekend it is. So you'll have to check out our website, alcentralgames.com, so you can see what event we are running that Saturday. Uh, we have everything advertised and listed on our front page, so you can click through and see what, uh, what event it's gonna be. And then Sunday, we do Commander for Magic all day uh, it starts at one o'clock and then we do another one at four o'clock it's just um, flights of pods that we do uh, and then people usually stick around and play and that is uh, probably our biggest event that we do commander was so big on sundays we added an extra night to it that that wednesday night i was saying earlier uh, it's it's massive you know commander is the most popular format for magic it is uh you know super well received by players and um yeah if i could if i had room in the calendar to offer another night for it i probably would commander is definitely you know i i see it everywhere whatever store i've been to you know it's it's always been a driving factor you know for the business yeah it's skewed everything um it's skewed the way wizards has like made products uh that how they sell products yeah it's it's affected everything it's funny too because i'm i'm somebody who likes to build commander decks i don't really play as much mm -hmm. um, i tend to play even though i'm like a competitive player i'm more casual competitive i love playing in rcqs and i love booster draft and um and, and constructed uh but yeah commander has definitely taken magic by storm but the thing that i was most intrigued by regarding the events that you hold um because out here on long island we 
run Popper maybe once a month, as well as Legacy the last the last Saturday of the month. I love that you guys hold Popper every Friday and Legacy every Thursday. That that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we um so so Popper was um a thing that around I say the middle of last year I started getting like really into. We played it back at the old store from time to time. Sometimes it did well, sometimes it didn't. I would say the format at the time, though, like back in like 2017, 18, 19, um, the format wasn't that great. Uh, most cards couldn't, well, I, I didn't really know the format that well. I would say that it wasn't a, like a well-received format at the time. But ever since Modern Horizons 2 and some recent bannings to help like, uh, you know, level off the um, the power creep that had happened with uh, the initiative mechanic, I think the format's been like really, really, really good. I was super interested in it. And I started uh, putting together like a box uh, that I called the the popper box. And it's just got tons of popper decks in it, uh, a bunch of cards for the format. Um, this is kind of like in its own little thing outside of our normal inventory, because keeping track of a bunch of commons to, to buy and sell, like it's really kind of like, you know, it, it's basically a waste of time, <laughs> except I kind of take it on as like a, you know, just like a, a little project because, you know, we're, you know, the cards are like a quarter, 50 cents. You know, it's not really worth the time to try to buy those things, but um, it's a lot of work. It is, it is a lot of work and keeping all that stuff. So I keep it all like separate out of the main inventory. I just kind of manage it myself um, just because I really enjoy the format. And we um, we made a like just we had a Saturday we needed to fill. So I was like, hey, let's do a big popper tournament. I was like, I have all these decks that I've made for the metagame. Um, I'll lend them out to people to help encourage them to come play. And I have a bunch of the cards now, so, you know, maybe we can get people to show up for it. We had a huge turnout for the, the first event. I think we were like 30 some players for the first event. Um, you know, it was really, really well received. And then we had another free Saturday, um, that had happened earlier in this year. We ran it back, did it again. Great turnout. Um, you can see some of our commercials we started doing for it on, um, that we put up like on Facebook, on YouTube, where the first event that we did, I had went 4080, uh, just like undefeated. That was the the whole thing was that I didn't lose a single game, and I was just playing. I was just playing the the red deck, right? Like I got lucky. I didn't play against any like weather the storms or anything. Um, but we turned that into this whole like wrestling motif for like the promos, where I tried to to connect with the Macho Man Randy Savage and do my best impression, uh, and try to like you know goad people into coming to play to come and like beat me and if you beat me you get a crown i started calling myself the monarch and uh keeping within the theme of the game where like yeah if you beat me you get the crown or whatever and then whoever is you know the the most recent person who's like one or whatever is the monarch so we started doing that and we really wanted to try seeing popper on friday nights because we were trying to do standard on friday nights and no one was showing up and we're like, okay, well, what do we got to lose, you know, making this event on Friday night? We're getting a good turnout on these random Saturdays. Let's try it for FNM. And, you know, we've been doing it now, I think, for about two months, about eight eight weeks, I think, something like that. And, uh, yeah, we're getting, like, these great turnouts for Friday night. And what's really, really cool to me is I've gone to every single one of them to help, you know, keep promoting them. And I see, you know, we're getting probably around, like, 17 to 20 ish i think players on friday nights which was less than those saturday ones but um you know that's the the kind of hit we expected you know when it becomes more of a weekly thing you don't expect to see as many people but 
I see different people all the time. So it's really encouraging to me that, you know, we may be getting seeing a lesser attendance, but it's all I see different faces all the time. So, um, you know, I'm I know the community is very big. And the next time we do one of these like Saturday events where we're going to put a lot more pricing behind it, you know, I have no doubt that we're going to see it be like a very big, very big turnout. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. That's awesome. What did you do to make the popper scene grow? Because it's something at our store, if I include myself, one of the store owners, and we have a couple of other people. So there's four of us in total um, who really love playing popper. And we were trying to make it expand more to, to get more people interested in it. And I was just curious what approach you took to get more people interested in playing. Uh, so I had two, two things that I focused on. Um, that I think are important when you're trying to get something off the ground, or I guess maybe maybe three. Um, one was we have um, we have our Owl Central Games Discord um, channel that we have, and one of one of them is our um, the rooms the channels is up is our popper one that we got going to be able to have a place for everyone to talk about the game. So now that there is a space outside of the event where people can still exist, you know, uh, together as a community, that part's important. Um, two people can't play the people can't play the format if they don't have the cards basically right like as dumb as that sounds like that's pretty much like the biggest barrier is people don't have popper decks if they've never tried to get into the format and if they want to buy a deck you can't really buy a popper deck at a store like nobody has 75 of these commons they might have some of them probably not many of them uh, so getting the cards was like the big first step. And um, going back to what I was talking about the popper box, I went uh, first, I went through everything that I had personally, and then just, okay, let me get all this stuff together. I'm like, okay, cool. Now, what am I missing to like build the rest of these decks? And then I just started building one of each of the decks in like a, a top eight, some diverse top eight that I saw. So I built those decks. I was like, okay, so now to push popper, I let everybody in the community in these like spaces know, hey, if you want to borrow a deck, you know, message me, give me, you know, give me a shout, and um, you know, it's first come first serve. You can borrow this deck if you don't have a deck, so you can just come and see what the format's like. And then for you know people who are wanting to like build the decks and buy their own decks, if they were missing cards, I would have most of them in the popper box for them to be able to come and get. So like making this like initial investment into the format so that others could be able to play at a, at a more convenient level, I think is what helped get things like jump started, like get things off the ground. And now the people who are playing, like they're familiar with the channels of like, if you want to be able to get cards, you can either get them from us at the store, you can get them from TCG player. But now that they have a lot of the cards, you know, there's a lot of overlap between decks, right? Like if you're playing black in the popper format, you probably have four deadly dispute. Well, you can put those deadly dispute in all your different decks. You know, if you have the the lands and stuff, you now you have the lands for all the decks. Um, but that getting that initial investment, I think, uh, out of players is the hardest part. So, and I I said maybe maybe there's three things, and that would be consistency, like doing doing all of those things consistently, like every week. You know, we run popper you know every friday i show up for popper every friday to help you know talk and engage with every single person who's there i try my best to you know say something or talk to you know each person acknowledge each person who's there um you know the best that i can 
Uh, I try to stay active in our Discord channel. Uh, I try to ask questions to people. You know, what you know, what have you liked playing? What do you think about this? Um, how would you, you know, would you keep this hand? Uh, you know, just asking questions a lot with our community members to like, you know, promote their, you know, engagement with uh, the store, with myself, and with other people too. Um, you know, th those were the the things that I that I've focused on, and um, you know, I think they're working. <laughs> we keep firing the events, so um, yeah, I think I think those things are the the important things. Ha I mean, the the biggest one is having the cards available for the players, right? Um, it just needs to be convenient to play, uh, especially when it's a format that they never played before. Like getting new players in, like you don't even have to worry about acquiring a deck; you can just borrow a deck. You can enter into the event. I got tons of decks for people. That's a great approach. I think you've definitely made it easy for people to play. And that certainly, I think, is absolutely successful as to what you're doing and what you're continuing to do for it. And the consistency, like with anything in life, you know, it definitely will pay its dividends when you're, you know, on top of it. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear it's doing well. Um, I'll definitely have to pass along that information because we would definitely love to be getting more popper games in on, on our side here. Um, so as we slowly uh get to the end of the interview here i wanted to ask about a couple of other things that caught my interest on the website and i noticed uh disc golf was one of them i talked recently to um blade gaming out in virginia and i was talking to mike there and he had told me that disc golf was you know a thing that they were doing there and it's it drew a lot of uh intrigue their first event and to see it now on on your website as well I'm curious what, how that scene, this is very like foreign to me. Um, so it's like my second time hearing or finding out about it. So what, how did that all come about? So this golf's like a, a very small part of what we're doing. Um, but there is um, like, we, we acknowledge there's an overlap in players who would play magic and play disc golf. Um, and, and, and uh, I guess, sorry, let me start from the beginning. Uh, you said you were, you were, you were talk with Mike. Mike Mike Hall is awesome. Uh, I just want to say that on the podcast. Uh, he's he's really yeah, he's cool a good guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you ever get a chance for people already, or if you're gonna be in Roanoke, uh, go check out Blade. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. But um, yeah. So Rage Against the Machine. Sorry, I'm talking about Rage Against the Machine. One of I just I had this on my mind. This is one of my favorite memories with Mike Hall. I just want to share it. Um, I talked about playing the WoW trading card game uh, earlier in the interview, and I had to make a drive on some Friday night to go up to DC from Roanoke and my, I didn't have any of my CDs with me. I just really wanted to listen to the rage against the machine album. The, the first rage against the machine album I had the songs in my head all day. And I randomly was just asking people as they were coming to play F and M and Mike Hall was just like, yeah, I have that CD. He's like, of course I have that CD. So are you kidding me? And uh, he let me borrow it uh, so that I could have it for the weekend for the, the drive up. So that's like my favorite memory of my call. Uh, I just wanted to share that, but uh, <laughs> sorry. But uh, the, the, so the disc golf thing, I first was exposed to this crossover when I lived in, um, I lived in Orlando. I went to school down at Full Sail and Cool Stuff Inc. was like the local store that I would go and hang out at. And they, they, they had stuff served for the disc golf community. They also sold disc golf. And that was like, I believe on their sign, it was like cool stuff. Inc. It was like magic cards and disc golf or something like that. So that was the first time I got exposed to it. When we were opening up the store here in Lancaster, Ken uh, was, you know, really 
into wanting to get disc golf. He, he plays, uh, and we have a bunch of disc golf courses that are around us. I think there's like three or four that are pretty close to us. Uh, and we started stocking the discs and they're like, a you know, they're, they're mildly successful, uh, sales item that we, we have on the floor. I don't think they're, you know, they're not super popular, uh, compared to the other things that we've got. And it's probably something that's going to just be completely phased out altogether. But, um, just, just cause it's, we have a lot of competing interests with what we're trying to sell at the store, but there, there is, it's surprising to me still to this day, um, that there is, uh, this like big crossover between those communities, but yeah, um, I, I don't really play myself, but, um, you know, you are correct. It is, it is kind of like a, a shock that, that it exists, but it's definitely very present and, uh, and apparently has been there for quite some time. That's very interesting to learn. I, yeah, I wasn't very familiar with like the history of it or where it came from. So hearing between from Mike and yourself about it has given me a little bit of a, of a background about what it actually is. But it seems like even outside of that, I mean, you guys have, I saw on the website, are you selling comics, you know, figures? It, it seems like you're almost a full-blown, you know, novelty store of so many various things. So we don't have comics. We do have some like um, like the resin figures and things like that. Some of the collectible stuff. Okay. Um, uh, when like some of the things that we have are more of like uh, there for aesthetics. We don't we don't go too deep on them, um, but we do have like some of the like the collectible resin figures and things like that. Um, comic books not so much. Um, we we never really got into that. Although that's something that we've talked about from time to time. But um, at, at this point, I, I think the the product lines that we're you know really focusing on are like you know we said before magic pokemon uh Yu-Gi-Oh, flesh and blood um warhammer uh for minis and uh soon 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 is going to be uh disney lorcana is going to be a product line that we're going to be very focused on as well um and those those are going to be like our, our main sellers okay great and with as you wrap up here uh, Adam, I was going to ask one final question, which is what are your aspirations for the store? Like if you had a goal, money aside, you know, what is something you would like to see uh, transpire with the store for the, either the near future or, you know, later on? I, I love that you said money aside because that was definitely my smart ass answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so the thing that I, I personally would love to see is um, after we get the website up, um, I would love to see us have like a mobile companion app that goes with that. Um, but even further beyond those things, I would love to see us have our own uh, games that we like, uh, you know, provide and sell ourselves. Even if it's like, um, you know, little like quick, easy like pen and paper board game type stuff that we're making. Or even like little, uh, you know, web games you can play uh, on our website or through a mobile app or something like that. Um, I would love to see us enter that space of of games and find ways to make those things personalized for the people who are engaging with them. Uh, I have some ideas that about that that are not fully formed uh, at the moment, but. Um, looking at things like how um, uh, Cards Against Humanity did stuff where you could just download and print their game yourself um, so you can have it for free or, you know, you can buy it from them to have it, you know, like nicely made uh, from them. I think that business model is very interesting and uh, it gets my 
little, uh, you know, my, my spider senses tingling on some really cool ideas. Uh, but that's that's something that I would personally like to see the store doing in the future is um, engaging in creating our own products uh, and not just necessarily reselling things, having our own like Owl Central branded products. That's that's a great goal to have. I hope it you know comes to fruition and uh, I'll be excited to see what what you guys do with that um, in the future. So as we wrap up here, Adam, um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Where could everybody find out more about Owl Central Games? Uh, yeah, check us out on uh, owlcentralgames.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Uh, we have a Discord channel uh, you can get to through any of our social media. If you happen to be in the Lancaster, uh, Millersville area in Pennsylvania, stop by. Um, you know, Give us a shout. Come see how awesome the store is. Uh, and if you have any more questions, if you want to get in touch with the store or get in touch with me, you can give us a call at 610-929-2137. Excellent. I'll be sure to include that all in the show notes so that people can get in touch and check out the store and also uh, look into buying product from you guys. So again, Adam, thank you again for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you, Frank. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on another episode of the Match Slip Podcast. If you would like to join our newsletter, you could sign up at thematchslip.com slash newsletter, where I share reviews of the stores I visit in person. Additionally, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail that you'd like to have a question featured on an uh, upcoming episode of the Match Slip, uh, feel free to do so. You could do so at anchor.fm slash thematchslip, and we will catch you all on the next interview. Take care.